KJAMS 105.3, you're sitting there pretty with me, your favorite radio reverend, preach easy in the morning, and it is my favorite time in the morning, time to dive into the word. So go ahead, take your moment, take your time, center yourself if you're not driving. Go ahead, close your eyes, and let the Lord move through you. Go ahead and reach out to the divine spirit and just say, God, what you got? For me, what's coming is what's better than what's been. So, Lord, just move through me. Give the Lord this time. Open up your spirit. Open up your ears. Lord, I pray that I am a mouthpiece for you today and that somebody anywhere, if it's just one person, hears and receives it today. So let's dive in. If you haven't been knowing, allow me to reintroduce myself. They call me Preach Easy. That's because I believe that the gospel should be easy like a Sunday morning. Now, that's not saying that I don't, we're not going to have those tough, real conversations. That's just saying those questions you ask yourself every night in the middle of the night. Who am I? What do I want to be with my life? What do I want to do? All those questions, believe me, I believe that those questions and more, well, they're pretty easy because the answers to those questions, well, they start with you. You just need a little bit of help. And that's what I'm here for your favorite radio reverend preach easy now today what we're diving into we are continuing our sin explained series now before you get all whoa whoa whoa, whoa and you're like let me go ahead change the channel easy talking about some some sins and whatever no roll with me just just relax when we talk about our sin explained, I'm not coming with the fire and brimstone. And I'm not trying to curse you or say that you're going to one place or another place. All I'm trying to do is give you a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of background, historical information about what folk are talking about when they're talking about sins. Now, we've been going through the sin series for a while now. We started with sloth, and we went to wrath, and we went to gluttony. Now we are dealing with envy. Yes, we are dealing with envy. That's E-N-V-Y. But before we dive into envy, let's give a little bit of background. When I'm talking about sin, I am talking about the biblical explanation. Now, to give you the original Hebrew word for sin, it's chata, C-H-A-T-A, which just means to fall short, to, to miss the mark. It, you could imagine it as if you had a bow and arrow and you were aiming at a target and you just missed the target. That's the same way that sin is described and defined in the early Bible. Now, that sin word, it's been switched and it's been changed. A lot of times that sin, that idea of missing the mark, has been used to hurt people to say that because you missed the mark, well, you are a mistake. Not that you made a mistake, but that instead you are a mistake. And that's just not in line with what Jesus was teaching. That's not in line with what I believe. And that's not in line with how God presents God's self. So we have to reexamine that. I'm here as your favorite radio reverend to let you know that just because you make the mistake don't mean that you are a mistake. See, chata means to, to miss the mark, to miss the target. But what it implies is that whatever you're shooting with, your bow and arrow, your machine gun, whatever you're aiming at the target with, it means that that machine, that mechanism, it's not broken. You just made a simple mistake. You're not broken for committing the sin. You made the mistake. That's a whole different thing. And that's why looking at sin as a mistake that a person made and not the mistake that is a person, we can reexamine the seven deadly sins. Because a lot of times these seven deadly sins are assigned to a person saying, you just are this sin. That just is you. You just are prideful. You just are envy. You just are lust. A lot of times people use that to degrade and keep people out of church, to keep people out of their spiritual growth like they deserve. But I'm not with that. I'm all about the good, easy gospel, the gospel 
principle that says you're worth saving. You the active person that's listening right now. So now that we got the background knowledge, we know that sin is chada. It means to miss the mark. Not saying that you are broken, that you can't ever hit the mark. Just means that you missed it this one time. Now we can talk about the seven deadly sins. And let me let you know. It's a little secret. If you've been here for a second, you didn't checked out sloth, you didn't checked out wrath, you didn't checked out gluttony, then you know that these seven deadly sins, we can't find a list of them in the Bible. There's nowhere in the Bible that it goes, these sins are the seven deadliest, and I don't like these in the red text from God. Instead, these seven deadly sins are collected by the original biblical fathers, the original um, authors or people who put the Bible together. Not the ones who wrote the books, but the ones who decided which books and which books weren't included in what we call the Bible. These are the people who went back and looked through and said these are examples of certain sins or times when people missed the mark. Well, they opposite these sins with what they call virtues, times where people miss the mark, but then other times where people hit the mark. However, these virtues a lot of times can be just as damaging as the sins that they present. And so I feel like the virtues are really just Pharisee sins, sins that somebody who's overly religious would commit, but would still miss the mark even with it. So let's dive in and focus on envy, because that's what we're talking about. I gave you the background. I let you know what Shada was. I let you know the background, the vice versus the virtue. Now we know who came up with the seven deadly sins. Now let's dive into our sin for today, envy. So envy, by definition, is the belief when a person lacks another's quality or achievement. So when one person believes that they lack a quality or an achievement and that and they desire this quality or achievement, whether it's in somebody else or whether they believe that that other person doesn't deserve that quality or achievement. The best example I can think of for envy is if you are, you know, a, a millennial Gen Z baby, you may be familiar with SpongeBob. If you've ever watched SpongeBob, maybe you haven't. Then let me explain. SpongeBob SquarePants, he's an anthropomorph anthropomorphic sponge that lives in the bikini bottom. He works for a boss, Mr. Krabs, who owns a company, the Krusty Krab. Now, Mr. Krabs has an arch rival, Plankton. Plankton is a little phytoplankton. If you don't know, it's just a tiny little green speck out there in the middle of the ocean. And Plankton envies Mr. Krabs entirely. Now, Plankton is a brilliant scientist, has m multiple degrees outside of being a business owner, can build robots, but for whatever reason, in his head, he desires the life that Mr. Krabs has. Mr. Krabs has a successful business, has a wonderful daughter, has employees that decently care about him, and despite all this, Plankton wants all of that that Mr. Krabs has. He is envious. Now, there are multiple episodes where Plankton would even switch lives with Mr. Krabs to where it's not even just the money that um, Plankton is envious about because then that would be more of greed. See, Plankton is envious. He desires the achievement, the qualities, the desires or the lifestyle that he perceives or thinks that Mr. Krabs has. Now, many of us find ourselves being Planktons. We find ourselves wanting or desiring qualities or achievements that other people have. Now, don't get me wrong, it's one thing to see idols, to see people who we want to grow up and be like, but where it goes from us recognizing and looking up to somebody and us envying this person is when we begin to recognize or when we begin to think that because they did it, now I can't have it. And that's where we first start to miss the mark. Where we start to miss the mark for envy is when we start to think that because they have it, I cannot have it.
And this is a very basic early human instinct. It's not just restricted to phytoplankton's at the bottom of Bikini Bottom. It's not just restricted to crabs that supposedly maybe sell crab meat within their crabby patties. I don't know. Look that up on YouTube. See, envy is something that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 4 with Cain and Abel. The two, or the first two supposedly, if you're doing the math, how they present it. Cain and Abel, the children of Adam and Eve. See, envy is one of the first sins that infects and causes brother to go against brother. It's this idea of envy. Now, if you're not familiar with the story in Genesis 4, let me explain. Supposedly, there are just four people in the entire world at this point. Adam, Eve, and their two children, Cain and Abel. Now, if you don't know, Adam and Eve just got kicked out of the Garden of Eden because they decided they was going to take a little apple break in between of doing everything else that God had for them. So now they're out there, they're growing, they're raising their children. Abel and Cain both have specifically different jobs. Because of the mistakes that their parents had made, now every human has to supposedly toil the earth. Now, Cain is a farmer. Farmer as in he deals with the earth. He pulls the crops out of the dirt. He grows turnips and tomatoes and all the other things, bananas and apricots. I've never had an apricot. Either way. And then you have Abel, who Abel deals with shepherd, or he's a shepherd, so he's dealing with the animals that are freshly born. Now, both Cain and Abel and Adam and Eve, despite being supposedly only four people on the entire earth, still are expected to give some form of offering to God. God who comes down and walks in physical form and still interacts with them despite being outside of the Garden of Eden. Now, Abel decides in this offering moment to give God his firstborn flock. Now, that's important, saying that the first children that he had in this new flock, this new um, setup for the next generation, so he knows he'll be able to eat for the next couple months. Instead of keeping it and hoarding it for himself, he decides to give it over to God to make a recognition of a new quality or a new achievement, saying, God, we did this achievement together. It's in recognition of what happened. But then comes Cain, who goes over and with his farming crops, could have easily pulled out the first couple crops that he had grown which may have been easier because he's growing vegetables versus taking care of an animal for or so long. But, you know, tit for tat. The idea is that Cain, the farmer, grew some crops, but instead of giving up his best crops over to God, he simply gave up some of his crops. And so when God recognized Abel over Cain for giving the best of what his efforts were instead of just giving some of his efforts, then Cain felt a type of way. Cain believed to see or believed in his head that because God had recognized his brother and not him, that God only had the space to recognize one brother and not the other brother. See, this is where envy sneaks in, because what God actually did in that moment is God, after Cain had come up and said, Lord, why did you not choose me as a favorite? God said, dude, why is your face all sad or whatever? You have the potential to go ahead and gain this favor. You have the potential to give all your efforts in. But as long as you look at this and saying that because I chose him and I didn't choose you, it means that I can never choose you both. Sin is going to be able to grab onto you. And that's the issue. That's the problem that we find with envy. The very point where we miss the mark with envy, the mark that we're all aiming for, because sins, what they do, sins are actually a symptom of when we miss the mark. They're not the main cause. It's like when you catch the code, the the cold is the actual sickness, but the symptom may be sneezing or coughing. See, envy is the symptom. It's the coughing or sneezing. The original mark that we were supposed to make, that Cain was supposed to make, that we are supposed to make in every situation is that we're supposed to recognize we are supposed to give it our all. We're supposed to give it 110%. 
But see, what happens when we don't give it our all, when we become scared, when we miss the mark of not giving it our all, not growing in that instance by giving it our 110%, what we can go back and look and do and sometimes say is, maybe I didn't give it my all or maybe I didn't achieve this because it was not available to me because somebody else has it. And that's the problem with envy. See, the very logical issue with envy is the idea that God put us on this earth and said, there's not enough room for all of y'all, so you're going to have to fight and get rid of each other. What kind of sick, twisted God would present that idea? Instead, I would argue that it's envy. It is this human mistake to where we believe that God put us on an earth, put us in situations to where there's not enough love to go around. Because, see, for a lot of us, we grow envy about situations. We grow envy about people. We grow envy about people who should be our friends or family members. We grow envious because we get that new family member who keeps taking all the attention because we believe that there's not enough attention to go around. We get envious about that coworker who got that new position or is gaining everybody's friendship because we believe there's not enough friendship, there's not enough love, there's not enough compassion to go around. We believe that somebody else gaining authority or somebody else growing and growing and what they desired and put all this effort into means that we won't be able to achieve it and make it. I'll be honest with you. I get envious. I see other wonderful preachers and pastors that are gaining and changing lives. And I won't lie. I still get envious because of the idea that I sometimes even wonder what if there's not even a group for me left to help out. Imagine how idiotic that sounds. Imagine how backwards that sounds. The idea that there would not be enough people to help. The idea that there would be a lacking of love still out there. See, what we got to get past and what we got to recognize is that every being, every organism is designed to grow. Whether the most basic little mint plants or the greatest huge redwood in California... Organisms are designed to grow. And if we believe in a specific, conscious, brilliant design that our designer, that our God spent the time and said, no, that's good. I'm going to take a rest now. If we believe that a God could create a universe in six days and decide on the seventh day to go ahead and take a rest because God saw that it was good from the beginning of the end till the end and said that's good, then we have to recognize and accept that what we can do, what we can achieve, what we can have in this world, there is enough. Let me tell you, there's enough love out there in the world for you. Maybe somebody didn't give it to you when they really needed to, when you deserved it in that moment. But let me, let me let you know, that's not saying that there isn't enough love out there. It's not saying there's not enough friends out there. It's not saying that there's not enough care out there. See, what envy does is it makes it seem that you have to be parasitic to grow. Envy presents this idea that you have to grow at somebody else's expense. But in reality, growth is the target, and you don't have to grow at the expense of anybody else. See, the virtue that's opposite of envy is this overhumanly kindness, this constantly giving of yourself, almost this sacrificial growth. But in reality, that can be just as destructive as envy, thinking that you are so worthless that all you have to do is give so that other people can grow. Let me let you know that you are so worth it. You are so worth it that your growth, your development doesn't have to come at the expense of others and it doesn't have to come at the expense of yourself. What I'm saying is you don't have to hurt others to get better and you don't have to hurt yourself to grow yourself. 
See, your spiritual development, that's the target that's here. That's what we're all aiming for. When you envy, when you recognize, you're seeing that there is a model, there is a height, there's a standard, there is a goal that you can reach, and that's fine. That's wonderful. But what's not fine and what's not okay is thinking that I have to tear everybody else down so I can get there. See, there's a reason that parasitic organisms, whether it's fungi or if it's an animal, those parasitic organisms don't take over the entire ecosystem because they won't grow without something else. They require something more. But you were made so much more than to be just a parasitic organism. You were meant to grow free of expenses. See, because when Christ came down and said, forgive them for they don't know what they do, they meant the same thing for our growth. Christ recognized and saw you, looked you in your future eye and said, you're worth saving. You're worth growing without hurting anybody else and you're worth growing without being hurt. You no longer have to envy, feel like there's not enough love. There's not enough authority. There's not enough achievement. There's not enough qualities, good qualities in the world to go around. There is just enough and more for you. So just grow. That's the target. That's the mark. That's what God, uh, Jesus is aiming for, trying to push you to do, to just grow. You don't have to do it at the expense of others. You don't even have to recognize or believe that you need to put yourself down. What you need to recognize is that you can grow. Not at the expense of somebody else, not at the expense of yourself, just grow. That's what Cain didn't understand in those moments, that when God was recognizing Abel, God wasn't recognizing that Abel was just the more favorited uh, son. What God was recognizing was that Abel gave 110%. Cain had the same opportunity, but instead of giving the 110%, he decided that there just must not be enough space for the two of them. So he took him out. This town wasn't big enough for the two of them, and so he took it out. And you may be sitting there saying, easy, it ain't easy to go around and see all these people achieving, see all these people doing really well, and me not feel like I'm falling behind. I feel it. I recognize that feeling ain't easy. And I know because I'm easy. But what you got to recognize is that it's not supposed to feel easy. It's the answers that are easy. The answer is you can grow. It's an easy answer. Before you were trying to figure out how to turn and pull something out of nothing. But now I'm letting you know you got everything that you need. That's how easy. The answer is easy. Switching your mindset, recognizing and feeling that there's enough love in the world. There's enough achievement in the world. There's enough in this world to go around. If you believe in a God that's good, then you better believe that there's a God that would create a world that is good because he said it is. It's the envy that, just, that gets us, that tears us apart, that says because they got it, I can't get it. Or because I can get it, they can't have it. Let me let you know. Qualities, achievements, these desires, they don't have to come at the expense of somebody else. You have the space to grow for you. Just be you. Grow because it's what you're meant to do. Be better than who you were yesterday. Not because you want to be better than somebody else. Not because they said you couldn't do it, but because you want to see how big you can grow. The number one thing that really gets us with envy is that we believe that our achievements are only worth it if somebody else sees it. We believe that our achievements, that being the number one in the sport is only good because they're number one. But if you ask the person that is number one in the sport, if you were to pull up LeBron James and be like, what continues, what pushes you to keep going? He's going to tell you it's because I love the game. It's because I love doing what I do. 
It's not because I wanted to look and see and I wanted to beat this person or I was envious of that person. It was because I wanted to be the best me. So the mark, the target is being the best you, growing and being you. Not to take somebody else out the game, but to make sure that you always get to play it. This is your favorite radio reverend, Preach Easy, letting you know that envy ain't the way. You are meant to grow, not at the expense of others, not at the expense of yourself. You're just meant to grow. Somebody paid that expense for you. So go ahead and just grow. Go ahead and just go into it. You may be thinking it ain't easy, easy. And I know the process ain't easy, but the answers is easy because it all starts with you. All I'm saying is that there's enough out here in this world, this love, compassion, achievement, whatever you are desiring, go ahead and follow your passion, what you need to do. Don't worry about how you're going to take or break from somebody else. Just move on forward and keep growing. It's your favorite radio reverend, Preach Easy, signing off.